This episode of the podcast is brought to you by burping and a little bit of puke comes up and then you have to swallow it back down because you're just a really disgusting person. By the time you get to the middle when you've actually been writing, well, it's a different story now. It's mm. a different thing now. Now, now you are the characters. You know the characters. Things that you could never have known before you started yeah. writing are now, they're in your blood. It's like this entire, you know, there is a mythology to my movies to some degree or another. And that mythology is delivered as as I write. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We have finally made it to number one. Oh yeah, and we're here. we got kind of lucky because we, we both, both chose <laughs> the same number one director. Go ahead, everyone guess. Before, before, before we say it, in the comments that no, happened. No, just, just start screaming at your phone and or radio <laughs> right now. We'll Throw give you your it. cat out the window. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it. Um, and of course. Who else would it be? It's. It's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's no other person that it could be for us. Yeah, and of, I mean, you know, I feel bad. I didn't, I didn't include Kubrick. I didn't include like Tarkovsky or yeah. or Alfred Hitchcock or oh, all of these. You know, make. I mean, look. At the end of the day, this is a 110 percent a biased thing that we're doing. It's all our personal opinion. And although we think that all of those directors are, of course, amazing and great, and some of the greatest ever. This is a biased opinion. And can I can we go back and like redo, redo some so I can change my answer? <laughs> Absolutely not. Cool. Um, again, we're stuck with this for life. So uh, <laughs> that's us. <laughs> we have to live with our mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Quentin Tarantino, you, you you have to know it. You have to know at least one of his films. You have to have seen one of his films. Mm-hmm. And Every single film is fucking fantastic except for Death Proof. <laughs> I, Every fucking film <laughs> is great except for Death Proof. Death Proof is definitely not his strongest film, mm-hmm. but in his defense, he only had a year to make it. Okay. And normally Tarantino takes like three years just to write the script. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And Robert Edgar's had 20, 20 days to film The Witch. No, Robert Eggers had five years of research for that movie. Yes, but 20 days to film it. Okay, but that's not <laughs> what I'm talking about. Well, you want to go? <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Death Proof is definitely in, like, a weird spot because he only had, like, a year to fully write a script, you know, get it all, like, perfect of where he wanted it to be, get it casted, mm-hmm. get it filmed, and then get it, you know, edited and released so he had 365 days to do all of that which is very non-tarantino yeah um he did get kurt russell though he did get kurt russell and kurt russell's the man uh and look there it's kind of weird to say that tarantino has a cult following because his films are so just anti-cult fiction has a cult following but even that at this point has become so so mainstream like yeah yeah, like there I, i wouldn't really say that any of his films are cult but definitely uh, grind the grindhouse thing that he did with Robert Rodriguez is oh yeah yeah definitely the cultiest thing I, I think like, that you I would like say that film yeah I mean Death Proof is really good uh, I mean not Death Proof uh, the Planet Terror yes Planet is Terror really, is really really awesome. good um, Death Proof is definitely like my lowest ranking film but there look there's there's an audience for that film so, there a, is. a lot of people love that movie like The Divide no. <laughs> uh, a lot of people love Death Proof. Um, again, although he's my favorite director and mm-hmm. I love everything about the man, 
I will admit that not my favorite film. Mm-mm. Definitely the weakest of them, but I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I would just say it's definitely like his weakest. Yeah, absolutely. But you have like so many other films that like he's done. Like ev- at least everyone here has either seen like Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill One and Two, Reservoir Dogs, yeah. Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, Hateful. Eight. I think a lot of people actually probably haven't seen Jackie Brown. I think like that's like one. Jackie of, Brown is probably like one of his more like culty movies. Yeah, maybe it's like nobody. I don't know. It's just like so. It's very. It's. It feels like it doesn't really feel like a Tarantino film. It does mm. and it doesn't. Like it, it definitely does in the sense of like the great music and yeah. and you know the performances and like Samuel motherfucking Jackson and that shit. Um, but yeah, of course the Nero is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, just fun. But you know. Uh, it's definitely like it's the it's the only film that he ever made that he didn't actually write he actually like adapted it from a book Mm -hmm. um so you know it's just not the normal tarantino film Mm -hmm. and i don't know how well it did in the box office but i don't know anytime any anytime i ever talk about tarantino to people who are like oh yeah i love tarantino i'm like you've seen jackie brown and they're like don't even know what that is yeah i'm like yeah well (laughs) that's why like pulp fiction really is the movie where it's like if you mention tarantino that's the first thing that people are gonna say yeah and this is this is going to get a little bit of hate, but I I love Pulp Fiction. I absolutely love the film. I do think at this point it's slightly overrated. I think that, and I know that's a little blasphemy. No, but. it's not. It's not like I I understand what you're saying. I kind of I kind of sort of agree, just because I don't know. Everyone's just like, oh, Pulp Fiction's his best film. Oh, Pulp Fiction, and, and it's just so because of just how popular it was in the '90s. Mm-hmm. And I just don't agree that Pulp Fiction is his best movie. Like, how can you sit there and tell me that Pulp Fiction is better than Inglorious Bastards or better than Django Unchained? I I can't see that, in my opinion. Even Reservoir Dogs, like, really sits well with me. Yeah, I mean, Dogs, of course, is his debut, and it's just got such a... I don't know, like, it's so beautifully amateurish. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's got, like, this amateurish quality of... Of it, like I don't know. The, the the thing about Tarantino that I love so much is simply how fucking fun it is to watch his career mm-hmm. go from uh, Reservoir Dogs all the way up to Once Upon, Once a, Upon a, Time. a Time in Hollywood, and seeing the progression of a filmmaker and seeing him pretty much never miss a beat. Absolutely, for the most part. Obviously, Death Proof is a little, mm-hmm. like, is like the hiccup a little bit. Yeah, but for the most part, he is just going up and up and up and up and up. You can really see too, like, if you watch every movie in order, you can see like where one he almost kind of like makes his own universe. Like he almost, oh, yeah, of course, he, he almost makes like everything kind of like correlate with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of shown, too, with, like, some of the stuff with, like, Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction all kind of, like, are in the same timeline. Yeah. But at the same time, too, like, if you watch every movie, like, in order, you can just see, like, his progression of, like, his camera work, his performances that he gets out of his actors, like, his his style, yeah. his, his settings. Yeah. Like, everything just progresses. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why he had to make, like, Number one, because he's just constantly getting better each movie. Yeah, and you know, the his love for cinema mm-hmm. runs so deep. Like there is no other director, actor that I can think of or that I know of that is so well versed in American cinema and also foreign. 
Yes. Because he knows about everything. He did so much research for Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Inglorious Bastards was a 10 year Mm -hmm. script. Yes. Writing for 10 years. Obviously, not consistently, not, you know, he was doing other stuff in between. Yeah, but still. But from start to finish, it took him 10 years to complete that. And I stand by that movie being his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's his best film, but it is his masterpiece. I think Hateful Eight is his best film. Yeah, I'm, I was actually just telling you that I was going to rewatch that movie, I think, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Because fucking coronavirus, we can't do anything. So might as well just sit inside and watch films. Um, Hopefully by the time that this comes out, though. Yeah, it's a good thing it's going to be going on for a little while. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think <laughs> that um, it's definitely... A great. I have I have like a story to tell you about the hateful eight. Okay. Um, and we'll get there. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how to do this because we both chose the same director. So I don't know. Like, like just fucking. <laughs> we can't just be like, okay, here's what I like. Yeah. And then your turn. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You want to go first, maybe, and then I'll just kind of bounce in about like what you have broken down about them, and then I'll okay. finish it off. Because I mean, I have like um a lot of like little like fun facts and like quotes from him yeah go ahead but uh yeah I'll, I'll start with that then so his first noted screenplay was captain peach fuzz and the archery bandit mm-hmm. i don't know what that is <laughs> but man that's a fucking cool name for it i would love to read that yeah he actually uh detests violence and uh drugs in his movies however that's a good portion of what his movies are about mm-hmm. so he does have morals for it, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, while filming Kill Bill 1 and 2, he constantly was saying that Uma Thurman was his muse yeah. and his inspiration mm-hmm. for everything, mm-hmm. which she did a fucking fantastic job in that. Yeah. And there's not a lot that I've seen, at least, of Uma Thurman, like acting-wise, mm-hmm. but I always put her up there as a great actress because of Kill Bill 1 and 2. Yeah. I think that's really her peak. Mm-hmm. And also, I haven't seen much else of her. <laughs> so, that's where she's going to stay. That's where she sits. Uh, there's actually, like, a cool thing, too, where, like, he hates product placement. Yeah. Which is why he came up with some of the things, like, the right. Red Apple cigarettes yeah. and the Fruit Brute cereal. Yeah, yeah. So, he, again, like, he's making his own world. Yeah. And... We even talked about that, too, because, like, with the chainsaw on your leg, where, like, you kind of wanted to make your leg just full of movie kind of yeah. memorabilia type stuff. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember one day, like, a couple of years back, we were talking about, like, the Red Apple cigarette pack. Yeah. Because I thought that was a fun idea. Yeah. Uh, Nirvana actually thanked him in one of their albums, like, in the notes mm. for the album In Utero. They put in there, like, a thank you to Quentin Tarantino for his films. That's cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's weird that you mentioned Nirvana because um, I love Nirvana. Do you? I fucking love Nirvana. Really? I I, I don't really love Nirvana's. I I I was actually just talking to Jess about uh, Nirvana y- yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was telling her how I re I understand Kurt Cobain's like significance in the music industry, mm-hmm. and I really really like his poetry. I is I kind of like I consider his lyrics more like poetic. Yeah. Um and. I really, really enjoy his actual like lyricism and all that, mm-hmm. but the sound, like the grunge sound, is just not for me. You know, I'm, I've never been like a huge grunge fan. However, Nirvana is like that perfect mix for me, where it's like I love pretty much every song. 
Yeah. Uh, Bleach was a cool album. That was really where they were getting their foot in the door. Obviously, everybody knows Nevermind because that has Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. I do feel like In Utero is probably their best album, though. Yeah. Because um, you just have some really great songs in there, like Heart Shaped Box and mm-hmm. Rape Me. Yeah. Which there was a fun... Sorry to, to add another fun story inside it's of your fine. fun story. But um, I remember like they did like a whole thing on MTV like in the 90s where like they went to a college and they gave everybody a copy of In Utero and had them like listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then they came back the next day and was like, so what did you think? And 95% of them were like, I didn't like Rape Me. I thought that was a weird <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah. So now Jess has me watching a, a, uh, a documentary is called, it the montage of heck? No, it's called mm. Soaked in Bleach. And it's mm. all about how Courtney Love... It's like it's a conspiracy thing where yeah. it's like Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain she or she had somebody kill him or whatever. And I don't know. There's another one too know. of Kurt and Courtney. That another was, um, documentary? Yeah, there's actually a few and I've seen like a good portion of them. Yeah. A montage of heck I really liked because that added like a cool animation style to everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But Nirvana, I again, I understand their significance, but um, just, I don't know, the music itself like just doesn't doesn't uh, hit me. Nirvana got me through college. Nice. For my one year. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated early. <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. Keep going. There was another thing, too, where he actually had like this idea for a Godzilla movie. And when I read about this, I was like, can we make this? There's, can a, this happen? there's a lot of ideas that he has. He was going to make a Star Trek film. Mm. That didn't oh, happen. Yeah, that's right. I remember hearing about He's, that. Because he, he is such a nerd. Yes. Like Tarantino is so nerdy. And, you know, he embraces it completely. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, he wanted to do like tons. He wants to do, he wanted to do like superhero films and whatnot. Yeah. He just didn't actually get around to it because of certain reasons. But um, in a way, he's made his own superheroes throughout his films. Listen, I say hands down, Django is a superhero film. Basically, yes, absolutely. Um, We've talked about people this. argue with me all the time, all the time about it. But I argue that Django is pretty much a superhero film. It's like an yeah. origin story. I mean, he can be up there with like certain superheroes, like Batman and Green Arrow, where it's like they don't have powers, but yeah. they're just like cool guys, they're just fucking badass dudes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But I really liked the idea of like his idea for the Godzilla film, where Godzilla has the name god in it so why not make a film where like people are actually like worshiping him like a god and it becomes like this whole aspect of like you know riots and like cults almost for the monster mm. and i was like that's a really fucking cool take on it yeah that that, that is interesting mm-hmm. i don't love the godzilla films i don't know is there is if you had to tell me we're not going off track a lot but <laughs> no, whatever. whatever who cares but if you had to tell me one film the like what is the creme de la creme of godzilla films it doesn't matter if it's animated it doesn't matter if it's live action because i have yet to see a godzilla film that i was like wow that was a good movie mm-hmm. so, are there any <laughs> absolutely um so if you want to go like old school horror i would say the original mm. the 1952 godzilla film is stop a- motion Yes, right? it's it's a great, like the black and white yeah, story, yeah. a great film on like what Godzilla is and why people are afraid of him. Mm-hmm. If you want to go like the mid like 60s when he was weirdly like quirky and like fun, um, <laughs> I would I would say Godzilla versus Megalodon okay. because he drop kicks somebody in that. <laughs> 
and that's fucking awesome. 100%. That's the only reason. If you want to go for more of kind of like a serious tone slash like still like all rubber suits. Yeah. I would say Godzilla versus Destroya. I think that is the most badass version of them fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, like anything like newer horror. I know you saw it and you weren't really a fan of it, but Shin Godzilla. Yeah, I that th- was weird. I think besides the weird... The eyes, man. The eyes were great. I like <laughs> the eyes. Besides like the weird like ending scene where like it was very noticeable CGI, Yeah, I think that is a great throwback in a modern day setting of Godzilla mm. with a great looking Godzilla. He's kind of like weird. He's got like no he's arms. A, yeah, he's, he's, he's almost like... He's zombie-like. He's yeah. almost like decayed, and I love that look. Oh, when cool. I first saw that, I was like, fuck yeah. yeah fuck yeah. Give me it. Give me that. Give me that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so yeah, back to Tarantino. Back though. to Quentin. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like a couple of quotes then, too, that okay. I think um, he said that were really, really cool. So the first one is, if this made it a little easier for artists to work in violence, I've accomplished something. And then one that I really thought was great was, if you want to make a movie, make it. Don't wait for a grant. Don't wait for the perfect circumstances. Just make it. Yeah. So let's get your movie going. All right. Off your screenplay. Sugar. Sugar. Uh, (laughs) Sugar. (laughs) Um, All right. So, again, I broke it down into sections. Um, So, first and foremost, I think it kind of just comes down to the detail in his scripts. Um, Absolutely. He basically writes novels. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't make traditional screenplays in a sense of just dialogue, location, what's going on, and then actions and stuff like that. He very much basically writes novels. Well, that's what Brad Pitt said too, where it's like it, his screenplays and like his writing is the Bible. Yeah. And Tarantino is God. Yeah. Yeah. So I was... You know, doing research, I'm like, look, I, I listen to Tarantino interviews like all the time. Mm-hmm. At least I used to because there's not really and there's not really any more out there that I haven't heard. So unless a new one pops yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Like unless he makes a new film and then, you know, then he's kind of doing around and he's doing more stuff. But for the most part, I've pretty much like listened to everything he's ever said or mm-hmm. done. So I love just how novelistic he writes because I read his screenplays and Within those screenplays, there's so much detail. You know, he basically says that if he knows that his screenplay is done when he feels confident enough that he could just write it and then publish it Mm -hmm. and just make it basically a book. And he pretty much could. Yeah. Would we put him as the king of screenplays then? Oh, yeah. 100%. (laughs) 100%. Cool. King Um, of screenplays. Because look, like there's there's scenarios like in Kill Bill where he writes, um, there's a there's a specific scene in which where she's like ready to she basically is like she just got out of the hospital and she's like she has a chest buried in the ground and this isn't in the movie this didn't make it into the film this is just in the screenplay that she has like a chest buried in the ground and then she basically digs it up and and then she like gets all of her stuff but I guess like in the screenplay it's like she basically put it by like a certain rock mm-hmm. and. In the screenplay, he writes that if she wasn't able to find that rock and to find all of her stuff to go kill Bill, then she was basically going to accept the simple fact that she wasn't going to then go through with it because kind of like fate. Mm -hmm. 
and people would question him like well why are you like writing this stuff like why are you make like writing that detail and he's like because think about i it. need to know my character like yeah. i am developing a character and and in 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 her world you know all of this stuff matters like even if it doesn't get to the film as long as you know he's very, he's a big advocate of the director needs to know everything yeah. about the world absolutely and everything about the characters i mean it's so detailed i mean in which look like once upon a time in hollywood he both he basically gave them a script and then a whole packet of like their characters and who they were and what they think and blah 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 you know um, there was a joke about I don't I don't remember who exactly said it, but somebody was basically like, you know, he gave them the whole rundown of their character, and then they were like, "Well, what's my favorite color?" And then he was just like, uh, <laughs> "He's like, I'll get back to you on that." And then comes back the next day and tells them what what their character's favorite color is, and then why that's their favorite color. Like he does not fuck around with the detail of his stories. Exactly, um, and that's why like I love him too because he puts so much detail into every yeah. single character. Where half the time it doesn't need to be in there. No, it doesn't need to be, but it's all personal, man. It's mm -hmm. all just, I mean, look, at the end of the day. It's for his craft. He, yeah, and he just loves movies. Like, mm -hmm. that's what he loves, right? He did so, the same thing, too, for um, Robert De Niro's character in Jackie Brown, yeah. right? Like, the shoes the that shoe he's wearing. The shoe thing, yeah, yep. yeah. That's a really cool story. If you don't, if you don't know that shoe story, find that. It's really, really good because we we're, we're, we're taking a little while here. Yeah. So <laughs> we're we're pushing over our budget yeah. today. Oh, yeah. So another thing that I love is that he very much writes stories that kind of like unfold. It's not like you, you never really exactly know where his films are going. Like you can argue that like kill bill. Well, I can kind of assume that, he that wants, she's going to kill bill. <laughs> yeah, like, but you know, the story of her getting there is something that truly does unfold. And I love I love watching his films. You know, The Hateful Eight is a great example of a story unfolding itself yes. and and the characters revealing slowly who they are. It's a great shot of, like, character development Yeah, just in the short amount of time. Yeah. Like, because most things, like, you have to have, like, a TV show to, like, draw it out over a season. And this man does it in two and a half hours. Right. And, I mean, look, he is known for having to basically take his screenplay, which is not a screenplay, it's more of a book, it's more mm -hmm. of a novel, and he's basically, like, on set that day, then kind of, like, transferring it into a script. Yeah. Like, so he's basically taking his novel and then adapting it into a screenplay while they're shooting because he writes it like a novel. So, you know, I would say that he is absolutely 110% the king of screenplays. Yeah. I also really love to like the throwbacks that he does too. Yeah. Where he does a lot of like the, the turnaround zoom in shots yeah, yeah, from yeah, like yeah. the seventies. Yeah. And he has so much love for cinema where he puts like these little nods in everywhere. Mm -hmm. He also is fantastic in creating a set. Yeah. I mean, and his set design is creating phenomenal. the environment. And I've said this plenty of times before where if the background is, incredibly well it's its own character yeah and you look at movies where it's like Django Unchained and you can see like how everything works in the plantation you look at Hateful Eight and you look at the cabin and you see like the environment around them and you realize like oh fuck like they are screwed yeah yeah you look at like I mean yeah in the Hateful Eight like the snow itself is basically a character like yeah. the the storm yeah. exactly Reservoir Dogs you look at like 
the the factory that they are yeah yeah, the warehouse that they're in and you can see like how it works and like why it's so important for them to like hide out there and like where everything kind of works in its place yeah and it's it's just incredible to see him do that for every single film because most of the time directors will nail it on like one or two films and maybe miss it the next time yeah but he hits it on the head like every single movie yeah i agree um, the next thing that I have for him is he has made some of my favorite characters yes. ever in film. Um, specifically, you know, Calvin Candy oh. in Django, yeah, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio, I think is is just one of my favorite characters like ever in film. There's also the thing, too, of like in Kill Bill, I forgot like her actual. No, she never really had a name, right? Like Who? the main kiddo. No, Uma Thurman's yeah, character. Yeah, her name's Kiddo. Beatrix okay. Kiddo. Yeah, where in Pulp Fiction, they talk about like how that was a TV show. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. is, was this all just a TV show? Right. There's, or there's, like, actually, there's actually like a... Well, that's the thing, because there's, like there's basically like two Tarantino universes where there's his real-life universe and then his like movie universe. So like Death... No, I think Death Proof is considered his real universe. Um, but I know... like. Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 are kind of like his movie universe where his characters from like Pulp Fiction could go to the theater and go watch Kill Bill. Yes. It's really interesting. Anyway, back to his characters. Mm -hmm. Um, King Schultz in Django Ah. is just one of the most lovable. Christoph Waltz. It's so good. Uh, You know, Jules from Pulp Fiction is Samuel Jackson is just, you know, so fucking iconic. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Say what again, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Aldo Rain. Ah, Brad Pitt. <laughs> one of his best performances. Yeah. Um, Hans Landa in Bastards, who is Christoph Waltz. Again, truly, truly mm-hmm. a fantastic movie. I mean, a, a fantastic character. And a and the movie almost didn't get made because of him. I think, did I tell you about that? Yes, yes, you did. Uh, because he, they were trying to find like somebody who the could perfect, speak all these languages. Like the perfect char- uh, actor, and they just couldn't find it. And Tarantino was like, well, if we can't find him in the next like week or whatever it is, three days, then we're going to just shut it down. And then Christoph Waltz walks in. And it's like, well, I think we got our guy. Um, and then, you know, be, again, like Beatrix Kiddo in Kill Bill, I, she's just like this badass woman like mm-hmm. you know so yeah he is absolutely 110 percent have made some of my favorite characters in films um and they just never get old like every time that i turn them on whether whether they're a despicable person or not i turn that i turn on the movie and it feels like i'm hanging out with my friends again yeah you know and it's like my best friends and they never get old and i just want to be there with them so and then kind of my last thing here, which is going to kind of segue into a whole bunch of other stuff, but uh, um, I think that he has made some of the best scenes in American cinema. Absolutely. I stand by the uh, Inglorious Bastards opening scene. Yes. As one of, in my opinion, one of the best scenes in American cinema, mm-hmm. like ever. Um, I think the tension building in that is truly magnificent. Uh, I think the dialogue is truly amazing, and the every just everything about that scene is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, it's masterful. Yeah, there's no way other. No, there there's no other way to put it. Like, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know the opening scene in Kill Bill 
when yes, when, when she's, she's laying, laying out and it's all black and white mm-hmm. and then you know he shoots her in the head and then the Nancy Sinatra bang bang song plays I mean when I I got chills the first time that I watched it because it's just so good Reservoir Dogs like at the end when you find out that Mr. Orange is a cop yeah and it's just like him holding yeah. him as like he puts the gun the to his the fucking head. ear scene in, oh, in Reservoir the Dogs the ear scene <laughs> is um, so iconic yeah you know the uh, the dancing with um, of course in Pulp Fiction yes but one of my favorite scenes and I just always go back to like it's when I whenever I turn on this movie it's the scene I'm looking forward to the most is the science of phrenology scene in Django where they're at the table and he brings out the skull. Yes. And absolutely. It's truly incredible. Especially too just with like DiCaprio's performance in that where like he smashes the glass and yeah. like continues going yeah. on even though he severely cut himself. <laughs> yeah, he needs stitches and all that. Um yeah, so I mean that scene is just so good. And then my last little thing is just kind of like he is undoubtedly the director that I always look forward to the most when I hear that, you know, Hey, Tarantino's making a new movie and it's coming out 2020 or 2019 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, um, you know, one of my best film going experiences was seeing the hateful eight in film in 70 millimeter getting the, you didn't. I don't. You didn't see that, right? So he did, he basically. Yeah, I didn't he, see it in seventy millimeter. Yeah. So he basically did. Um. He basically did this thing called a roadshow edition, where there was like an overture in the beginning of the movie. There was a what do you call it, like a break in the middle of the film where mm-hmm. like he kind of just like let you sit with what just happened. It was a little bit longer than the like the normal versions that everybody else got. So I got to see like some extra stuff that not everybody else got to see. And then he gave he he gave us like uh he he printed out like these like li- big little uh pa- pamphlets kind of like packets, and I have it like framed in my room because it's got like just like stills from the the uh you know the movie and just all this like really cool just amazing stuff and mm-hmm. it was the first time that I it was the first time that I've ever seen a movie in seventy millimeter and there's no other experience like it. The sound is so much different than it is in like normal theaters the colors the way that the way that it looks i mean it is probably one of the seeing it in 70 millimeter was probably one of the best it was probably one of the best looking films i've ever seen 2001 a space odyssey was in was made you know 70 millimeter and to this day i say that 2001 a space odyssey is probably one of the best looking movies ever Mm -hmm. it's fucking gorgeous like it holds up 110 percent today and i think it will forever the movie is one of the most beautiful films visually yeah ever although my hateful eight experience was like kind of weird because i was with my ex-girlfriend well she was my girlfriend at the time but at the time she you know she was my she's my ex-girlfriend now and we went with her sister and her sister's uh boyfriend or fiance whatever they were yeah and um somehow some way her sister ended up getting pink eye 
like in the movie. Okay. And I look over at some point because like I can see like her like kind of like crying and her face is looking like a little swollen. Like and she you're got, like, wow, this is really getting to her. <laughs> she like like it was really really bad pink eye, and her boyfriend is like inside of her eye like opening it to like oh see God. like to see if like there's something in there because they didn't know that it was pink eye, and they were like, hey, we gotta go. Like we we all have to leave, and we all we all went together, mm-hmm. and I was like. Hey, I understand. <laughs> I'll walk. I was like, I was like, I understand. There's like a medical thing going on right now, but I'm not leaving in the middle of this movie. And that was a little, there was a little uh, argument, <laughs> sort of a little altercation <laughs> that you would say. Uh, but whatever. I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm this. I'm. I need to watch this movie in its full glory. And I did. And again, 100 percent the best film movie going experience I've ever had. Mm. Um, and then again, I kind of told. I kind of brought it to you how I said about. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and how him and Tarantino and like Christopher Nolan, they all kind of actually saved film, like the actual production of Kodak film. So yeah, I mean him, him and his, him shooting always on film and never digital and all of that. I mean, I don't know, man, he's just, he's unbeatable in my Mm -hmm. opinion. I can't really imagine, you know, it's going to be really sad because he said that he's only going to do 10 films and you know, once upon a time is his ninth so, yeah. so we have one. We have more. one more. You know, maybe uh, he kind of said that it possibly that could be his last film. So we don't really know where that's going to sit. Uh, he's going to do other stuff. He said like he might do like mini series on like TV or something, or he might. He's he's probably going to write a lot. He's probably going to make books. Yeah, which would be cool. Um, but you know, we're only going to get one more actual film from him, mm-hmm. uh, and that definitely like is sad because yeah. he just doesn't seem to i don't know like i i can't he still seems like he's at his peak yeah he's like he's like never not been at his peak and he's just been at his peak for so long that maybe it actually is a good move for him to then go out while on top and yeah. not really because like there are tons of directors like fucking francis Ford coppola who made arguably the best movie ever, ever made. They, they <laughs> in say, the godfather right? if you look at francis Ford coppola now it's like terrible and you look at yeah. like brian de palma who made like scarface and carlito's mm-hmm. way and uh, body double and just all of these like amazing films. I think he made Carrie, uh, oh, Stephen okay. King's Carrie. Yeah. Uh, he made all of these amazing, amazing movies. And now Brian De Palma is just like not making good films anymore. So it's like maybe it is a good thing that Tarantino goes out on like one last like amazing film and then mm-hmm. just leaves it at that. And he kind of leaves you wanting a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and you're never gonna get more, which, which is, is fine. I'm I'm happy with that. Cause, uh, yeah, because otherwise you end up with stuff like The Undertaker, where he should have stopped. In wrestling. WWE. <laughs> yeah, he should have stopped wrestling ten years ago. But man, he keeps coming back, and man, I it. do not want it. <laughs> Just let the man rest. <laughs> um, yeah. So, look, Tarantino. I uh, you know maybe it's kind of like a such a a uh, a typical director to choose, mm-hmm. but I stand by my decision. Yeah. I, uh, I can't I can't deny that he is my favorite director and that he always has been and he probably always will. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of interesting that my favorite director didn't make my favorite movie. But yeah. um but hey, fuck it, right? Yeah, but hey, fuck He's it. still great. They're all but hey, Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson are really good friends and you know, the whole point of, well, I think I told you how There Will Be Blood basically kind of made him get his ass in gear for Inglorious Bastards. Yes, I because remember. Because he was like, oh, shit, this is mm-hmm. a fucking great movie. And yes. finally, like, somebody's out here making, like, fan- like fantastic films. I need to get my shit in gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, man. Like, those two together, it's 
one of my like they, they Maybe did, collaboration would be yeah that would be cool. cool they they did a few interviews together um they did like a few podcasts and whatnot together and them just talking about their both of their knowledge for cinema and just both of their like love for it i mean i can listen to those two just talk mm-hmm. all day all day long so yeah tarantino is 110 percent both of our number one picks. yes because there's nobody else there's nobody else um all right so as for a recommendation I uh, recently found a podcast called 1619. Okay. Um, and it's made, it was made by the New York Times. Um, mm. And it's I think it's like four parts. But the whole thing is about slavery in America okay. and kind of like really detailed stories about it. Uh, and it's very much not... It doesn't really hide at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there is no BS to it. There's The opening of it was kind of corny, and I hate to say it because it's such a serious subject, um, but, like, the opening of it is, like, really kind of cheesy because it sounds like... It's like two people... It's like two women talking, and it's like one, one is the interviewer and one is getting the interview, and it just sounds like... It sounds like they're on a beach somewhere, <laughs> but, like, it doesn't sound, like, authentic at all. It sounds like, like a sound effect of, like, waves coming in. Okay. And it just doesn't... It just doesn't, like, sound like... it. Just, again, but, like, if you get past that and, like, you just, like, go there for, like, the actual story... Maybe they were and, on vacation and, like, they just were like, oh, shit, we gotta, like... We gotta do this. We gotta film this. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, that, that's a little corny, but other than that, mm-hmm. uh, the actual, like stories and what and what she's saying I think is obviously very important uh in American history and it's something that we always like to shy away from um but yeah so 1619 I think as if you're if you are an American mm-hmm. you should definitely listen to it because it's such an important subject and such an important topic and it's just an interesting it's just a new kind of like updated kind of like hey these are maybe stories that you haven't heard before but also they're detailed and graphic, mm-hmm. but uh, again, I think it's kind of important for all of us to kind of hear them. Yeah, just know. Yeah, so that's it. Cool, awesome. That's, that's it, all guys. I got. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. This has been Director's Cut Take One. We will do like another like mini series project. Yeah, we're in we're kind of like near fig- future. We're figuring out like what we want to do. We got a whole bunch of other things definitely like planned for different types of topics that we want to talk about, not mm-hmm. just. Uh, I'm, I'm like I was we were talking about how we we're kind of enjoying doing like one movie a week and then one kind of just like film discussion just like a topic of about film who a person whatever it may be um, so we got some we got some stuff brewing yeah don't worry guys it's coming yeah it's not it's not coming <laughs> we're just sitting around <laughs> but uh, yeah ages. guys that's it so we finally finished our director's countdown we made it to our number one hope you guys enjoy that and I guess the most important thing to say at this point is to stay safe, wash your hands. Uh, you know, things are kind of crazy in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, so just please, please take care of yourself. Stay safe, everyone. Yeah. So uh, Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits. <laughs>